Welcome to another episode of Unguarded presented by Weevolve. I'm your host, Jory Davis. I'm with my man, Hyun Kemp. I don't really know what his title is. He's just multi-talented. Editor helps us with the branding. Content creation helps me not say stuff too much crazy stuff. <laughs> so I'm with him and we're here to do a little quick intro and recap for our next episode with Tanika Rubin. What's up? Well, I mean, I don't know what to call myself either. So I like <laughs> not having a title. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, we work on the podcast together. The edit, All the non-sexy stuff, I would say. Like the editing and... Right. But Tanika... Your second interview with Tanika, yeah. what happened the first? I dropped the ball. What happened was my Yeti... Mike wasn't cooperating that day. And instead of me taking the time and fixing it, I just was like, all right, we're going to rock out with the ear pods and it didn't work. So we had to do it over, but it's okay. Cause I think the second go around really was, it worked out better. So yeah. And, cool. and I would say in your defense, you had, I think you just gotten to Greece, right? Like, why don't you tell us where you are, what you're up to, like for people who may have never listened to an episode of Unguarded. Yeah, right now I'm in, in Athens, Greece. Actually, I'm specifically in Mini, Greece, near the okay. beach. I'm pretty sure I didn't pronounce that right, but they can look it up and find closely. But that's where I am playing for Olympiakos uh, this season. And so, yeah, that's that's where I am. And I had just arrived when I reached out to her to do the first episode. So things were kind of shaky. It was, it you know, I wasn't settled in, so... To my defense, there were a few things going on, but we made it happen the second time. I mean, so the way this usually works is like Jory comes up with a list of people that she wants to interview for the podcast and we discuss it. So when you suggested Tanika, like what was the thing that drew you to her initially? Well, first, the first thing was I played in Valencia, so I knew about the Europro basket. I was there. I saw other girls around. I met some guys that were part of it. So there was mixed feelings on my end about these types of combines. I don't really believe in them. I feel like they sell a dream and not many people make it out. She, you know, clearly is like, she's helping them a lot. I think with the marketing and getting that message out that they exist because she's one of the the individuals that made it. And so I just wanted to connect with her and say, Hey, let's, let's talk a little bit. So, because I maybe felt like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe what I, um, knew about these combines or what I thought was true isn't necessarily true. So I was interested to talk to her and find out about how does that really work. But just real quickly for those people who don't know Euro Pro Basket or what programs like Euro Pro, Pro Basket are, can you just explain? Yeah. So Euro Pro Basket is in a sense a showcase. Um, it's a combine. They invite individuals looking to find teams. You play games. They record your games. Uh, they teach you about European style of play. So they let you know that they're going to help you learn how European basketball is played. They're going to teach you some things about the business. And then they allow you to play a few games against different teams in Spain, mostly uh, for Euro Pro Basket. And you have the potential to get picked up. You pay a fee. Uh, you, there, it ranges for all types of different combines, twelve hundred and up, and you kind of bet on yourself. 
you pay all the fees to show up to these combines. And so that's kind of what EuroProBasket does. They are not agents, even though they aid um, in helping you get placed at, at times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity. Tanika is one of the success stories, so it clearly works. And uh, now she's a pro going to her third year, correct? So this is her third yeah. third years. I mean, like I said, pro. I think I think she's been very good at going out and telling her story. She's been doing a lot of press. She wrote a book, and it's a consistent story. And I think the story that's there is that she just kind of, I mean, the whole kind of, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like she went to JUCO. She went to JUCO, and then she went to a D1 school, but not like a big program. You know, and then she had to figure it out. And I, in the interview, that's, I think, one of the things that I really appreciate about her was she kind of talked openly about not giving her best, you know, when she had the chance. When, so it was interesting. So she kind of clawed her way out of JUCO, went to D1, and then she had this chance, and she didn't give it her all. You know, and she admitted that. And then yeah. it almost seemed like this program, Euro Pro Basket, was kind of where she had a chance to, in a way, perhaps like, redeem herself. So... There are a couple moments in the interview that I thought was like, oh, wow, she really, some of the living condition stuff, which I know you love. Um. <laughs> definitely, definitely love to talk about the living conditions. But yeah, I think that was a big part of the interview. So without further ado, check out the next episode with Tanika Rubin. Uh, enjoy it. Learn some things. Hopefully a couple players that are looking to get overseas are tuning in, share it with them and uh, enjoy the episode. Got my little cushion surrounding me. Keep okay. this, um, you know, trying to capture the sound a little bit. You know, we get yeah. a little bit professional step by step. That's <laughs> it. That's it. All right, Tanika Rubin, we we back. We back again. <laughs> we gonna just let the let let everybody know we doing this a second time around just because we had some technical difficulties. Okay. But I appreciate you um, talking to me again. It's no thing though. It's it's good to holler yeah. at you. Yeah, definitely. It's no problem at all. We had a good time last time, so it's no problem doing it again. I'm excited. You know, we spoke a little bit, you know, on the back end about imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. I'm not very familiar with it. Like, what does it actually feel like? But with imposter syndrome, is this something you just started feeling like when you started hooping and playing or or is it something that you kind of dealt with before, you know, kind of growing up or anything? Um, that's a great question because you're making me go back and like journey <laughs> in my childhood. I think it's something that I dealt with mostly with basketball. It's not something that mm-hmm. I, I dealt with in other areas, but just that for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's that feeling like I'm not who people think I am. Right. So I get into a space, I get an opportunity and it's like, oh man, am I prepared for this? You know, do I have what it takes? Mm-hmm. And I felt that mostly in basketball and I had to battle it definitely right I think I think everybody feels that I mean you have some players yeah. that's just straight out cocky and like <laughs> yeah. you know I'm I'm Michael Jordan you know but yeah I would say I mean everyone feels that I think in a sense like coming coming to Olympiacos and you know a bigger team again you're always like man you know and everyone's like oh big davis you know it's always that yeah. that uh, like oh you going here and you like who am i ready and you know yeah. do i belong here i think it's mm. just something that that's i think all of athletes go through that as i i had a veteran back in um israel her name was <laughs> Abby Elijah Wan. 
Olajuwon's, you know, the whole the big time Olajuwon, yeah. his daughter. I played with her. My oh, man. She was, she was like, you know, we all just insecure athletes over here overseas. She's wow. like, we all just insecure because, you know, those one off contracts. Yes. Constantly <laughs> trying to prove yourself, you know. So do you think exactly. that plays a part in it as well? Yeah, I would say that absolutely. And then um, me hearing stories of uh, so-and-so played one or two games and the, t- the team send them back, you know, because of their performance. That I think I put that pressure on myself. Like, oh, man, I can't bust, you know. Yeah, so many thoughts. Right. How'd you get through that? Like, what was your process of kind of getting over that, that hump of those those negative thoughts? Truthfully, it's, all, it's really mental in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, I would say um, I just got over that. So when you, when we talked the first time, I was still in Florida. And um, mm-hmm. now I've played three games since I've been here and my confidence has been through the roof. But it's because I've been thinking about you have put in the work. So it's just like little meditations that I do with myself. I visualize a lot. But lately I've been doing these affirmations like, Tanika, you're the best shooter on the court. Tanika, no one can guard you. And I just tell myself that. But I also trust the work that I put in. But it's just like a personal thing. It's not I don't think anyone can tell me enough, you know, that I can do it. It's it's really myself. So I have little conversations. And I think once you get comfortable, too, with a situation, you know, Absolutely. you're now you've been there before. You've played in that league. So you're comfortable. You know what to expect. Yeah. So that gives you more confidence. Um, That's a so big one. When it comes to the time when you weren't good, <laughs> when you were doubting yourself, um, <laughs> What is that? Like, for me, I would say it feels like I never called it imposter syndrome. I just feel like when you just constantly thinking and doubting yourself, it feels like you like choking and you like it's like a sunken place. You in the sunken place and you like, dog, come on. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm in the sunken (laughs) place and I'm like trying to get out the sunken place. And I know I could go in on this person in front of me but you just right it's like you're paralyzed like you feel like do you feel the same like describe how you feel when you're playing and you know you're battling that imposter syndrome and second guessing yourself yeah sunken place is a a great way to describe it but for me I've always called it like I put pressure on myself right that didn't need Mm -hmm. to be there and so what happens with me is just like a bunch of overthinking and so where something should flow I'm like like I told you my my phone screen was glitching. Like I would glitch and it would just be like, why are you, why are you doing that? You know, mm-hmm. uh, overthinking. And sometimes, you know, for me, when I'm feeling like that, I feel like I'm like kind of going inward a little bit. I just be like, look, this practice, I'm shooting everything I touch until, I, mm. <laughs> until it just breaks, you know, until I'm free yeah. again, like everything, I'm just going to catch the rhythm. I'm just shooting everything. Just, if it hit the backboard and go all the way to the half court, fine. I, li- I like that. That's what's going to happen. And then um, it's like, you start to be like, look, then you start making some shots that you would think about. And you're like, okay, I'm good. I like that as opposed to what I have done in the past, which is like stop shooting, which is terrible. Shouldn't stop shooting. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm, I'm going to take that. Yeah. I mean, do it in practice, you know, because you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You don't want you don't want to just be in the game. Just shoot brick. It's like I'm trying to get out of the sunken place. I got to let me go. <laughs> right. Exactly. You right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously your journey, your journey has been different. 
than than mine. Uh, a lot of other players, because you started with the Euro Pro Basket thing. Yes. What are what are some of the the miss like perceptions about going to the program? You know, you've been doing a lot of media. You know, you've given mm-hmm. a lot of shout outs. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, what's some of the the things you think are misperceptions to those that are just looking at social media? Yes, that's um, it hasn't been through it. Okay. So when I have players, they reach out to me like, Tanika, you went through your pro basket. Tell me about it. And a lot of it, when they come to me, is people feel like, because they see people got signed through your pro basket, that they are automatically going to get signed through your pro basket. And that's just not the case. And so I always tell them that disclaimer, like, I'm, a, I'm just like a special case. You know, there's not a whole lot of women who actually got signed. And, I'm, and I tell it, you know, just like that. And so... That's one of the things. Secondly, um, this is not like a misconception, but it's a big area of concern is the investment that they have to make. Because obviously you have to pay to go to the camp and then you have to pay for your plane ticket. And so I make sure that I highlight that as well when I tell people about your pro basket. Got you. Well, what was your experience with going to the camp? You know, how did you feel? How did you feel with the other players with Brad, mm-hmm. you know, what was kind of like your your experience and some things that kind of surprised you? So my my experience was was amazing. And it was before I got there. So I reached out to Brad. I didn't know him at the time. I was like, hey, I'm coming to the camp, you know, da 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 da. And he said, Okay, we're gonna make sure that, you know, you're taken care of and we'll stay in contact if you have any questions. And I had a ton of questions and he really stuck to that. And so when I got to the camp, you know, it was me and then I want to it was seven other women. It wasn't a whole lot of women. And then they had the men's side and the men always have more players. And so we get there and it's three workouts per day. Right. Two court workouts, one back, uh, one gym workout. And so it was really rigorous. But um, the way that we came in and how they communicated with us, what to expect with your first contract, um, the fact that you may not get a contract, they were really transparent with us about the whole thing. And so uh, mine was positive. Mine was positive. I had a, a great experience. Um, and I got a tryout in, in three days. So I actually didn't get to stay for the whole camp. So I make sure I tell people that too. Like I wasn't there for the whole three weeks. So I don't really know how it ended. I don't know. Like for me, truthfully, it's tough because I think sometimes it's selling a dream to, yeah. to individuals. Um, and also mm-hmm. individuals coming that may not have been as talented as you, you know, for Brad to say, okay, we're going to make right. she gets yeah. somewhere, you know, it's, that's a big investment. And exactly. for as, yeah, as far as video, you don't have enough girls. So how exactly. You, you don't have enough girls. And so I left two other girls left. And so then it's like, okay, who are they going to play against? That was my concern. And he was like, oh, don't, don't be concerned about that. We'll take care of it. And so, um, yeah, you're right about that. Right. Do you still keep in contact with any of those girls? Like, what are their feelings about it? You know, I'm sure the ones that don't get picked up or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. What's, what's that? Yeah. That, <laughs> what's that feeling? Because I'm sure they were just salty that they, you know, spent yeah. that money. Like, there are no girls even here. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. There's a few of them I actually keep in touch with. Um, two, two of them that didn't get um, signed and then two that left with me. We left to the same day one of them is is like 
very free, right? She's coaching. She's like, I took my shot. I didn't get it. The other girl is a little more disappointed about it still. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's just one of those things you, you got to bite that bullet. I, I took the chance and it didn't work out. That's, that's the hard part. The time I was there, um, they had some guys. Uh, one guy was actually very talented and, and he was upset because he was like, the level is, is they're not on my level. Yeah. So he was upset that, you know, he couldn't get quality film because mm. how it, it wouldn't even really look right that he's going against these individuals that aren't high level. And he's high level. Yikes. Um, so for you, when you walked in the gym, did you feel that way when it came to the, the other ladies that were present? Um, With a couple, like I said, there's only eight of us, but there were, for the majority of us, we were at a higher level. Um, <laughs> there were a couple of girls who we were wondering why they were there, why they spent the money to come there. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's chasing the dream. And I think it's just because people don't know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Paul People Forrest. don't know how hard it is. You know, I I know Brad Nem and I know he's you know, he's created that business to try and give people opportunities. It's just tough because some players, it's like they have this idea, this dream. And it's like, look, do you understand the level of talent that's over here? Like, you just can't come out of shape. Mm, exactly. Um, and think you about to get a job and, and make some money and have fun. Um Man. And I know when I was there, a lot of people were going to the club. And I think Brad talked about it, actually. He was like, you know, they, they go to the club, they go to Mia, which is right down the road. <laughs> they just, they're not serious, you know? And it's like, you oh, spent all that money to come here man. and throw it away. I think it was a vacation for some people. Nah. Mm-hmm. Right. But you, you were about that business. So yeah, you, you got the opportunity how does that look for you? Cause, cause you know, I'm all for players representing themselves. And in a sense, you kind of doing that, you have Brad to back you up, but when it comes to contractually and all of those things, what was that like? That's a great question. That's exactly how I was. I was like, I just got to get my foot in the door. You know, I wasn't even really fully aware of the way that um, teams can be and how it's important to have somebody to, to speak for you or to at least know what, you know, what you're looking for, what you're talking about. And so my first contract was, whoo, it was rough, you know, where we were living and um, this, the whole situation, it was really tough. So when you get there, what's that look like? Because see, for me, I've had, you know, I've had some places where like my rookie season, I was in Israel. Now, mind you, some things, it's a catch catch, you know, like you in Israel, but you right there by the beach 10 minutes. So you're <laughs> some things you're like, ah, well, I'm not going to complain too much because I still right. Like, um, but my my rookie season, my room was like we all lived in a house. It was all four Americans lived in this one house, mm-hmm. and um, there was a living area, a kitchen. Then you walk upstairs, and it was just like one, two bathroom, three, four. That's it. And um, my room, of course, I was the rookie, so I had the little jail cell room. Yeah, I remember walking in, and some kind of way they got that forty inch TV in that corner. I was like, how did they manage to get the TV in here though? Like. <laughs> and I had a little window with like bars on it. What? The sun would come in. That was it. And oh, I remember walking man. in like, all right. This yeah. Is I spent most of my time in the living room, mind you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. So, um, you know, but it was, you know, again, when it's it's not as modern, of course, compared yeah. to some of the stuff that maybe the Tel Aviv men had. So I know right. sometimes it's rough when it comes to, 
your housing and what you were used to coming from college and now you come to this when you walked in your apartment like what were some of the things you were like bruh y'all gotta be kidding me man you said walked into your apartment I didn't even walk into an apartment so we we lived (laughs) (laughs) we lived above a bar so the team owned this bar or sponsored by this bar or something and there was rooms above the bar like a hallway and there were I think four rooms and so I had to share it was this huge like office space that they made into a Mm -hmm. bedroom they put two twin beds in it and it was me and the other American and in the room down the hall was our other teammate she's from Angola and then next to her bedroom was the president's office (laughs) and so this is where we lived and it was very different very uncomfortable I, I had to kind of talk to myself every day and thankfully that American was there already so I came in the middle of the season and she was kind of giving me pointers and kind of helping me through it it was it was rough yeah so that's the other thing what, what was the contract the contract said did it say own apartment like did it say any of those things in your contract so here's here's where the euro pro basket thing comes in so Brad came to me and he came to other girls and he said you have a tryout in Portugal Two Mm -hmm. of us had one in Portugal. The other girl had one in, I think, the Czech Republic. And so (laughs) at that point, you're like, oh, I got a tryout. Let me go. It's not, oh, I have a tryout. Let me think about X, Y, Z. What does the housing look like if I get the contract? You know, so that was not the question Mm -hmm. that I had. So I just showed up and that was the situation. Yeah, I think maybe, (laughs) maybe Brad can add some some basic bullet points to what's the standard contract and what's some standard negotiables and because right. uh, the teams that's that's just what's talked about that these camps some of these combines that are out here they get players and they they know they're they're agentless or mm-hmm. they, don't have, they don't know and they take advantage of them because they know they can save money or cut cost exactly and then they know you're trying to get your foot in the door to right. get a better situation um, so it's yeah, it's it's a lot. What was something that you wish you knew before, like all of that, like Eurobasket in this first very first time um, going to Portugal? Like, what are some things you like wish you knew? Uh, just to ask questions like I can ask questions and it seems simple, but, you know, <laughs> that's something that I can do. And I didn't think about it. I thought I just had to just go into the situation because I wanted to get my foot in the door. And it took so long for me to get the opportunity. And so going backwards, I would definitely um, ask more questions and ask the right questions. Okay, where are we living? Simple things like, um, am I going to have my own space here? Um, It is crazy. It's like you can't explain that feeling. It's like because you don't want to ask too many questions because, you you know, they get in, you know, they kind of yeah. get in feelings when you ask too much. It's like they put <laughs> right. you in the space where, like, you better not ask too much or we can mm-hmm. get another person. You right. know, and that's the part where it's, it's kind of frustrating because you have to kind of politic and find ways to creatively ask for what you want and what you technically should have. Exactly. You know, that's why this this sometimes like, you know, when you're on an island as a player, that's what makes it tough. That's what makes it tough. If you're on the island, they'll try to do anything and everything and put you in that box because they Mm -hmm. know there's a lot of players lined up waiting for that position. Exactly. Exactly. 
So it's <laughs> right. it's it's tough, but but now this time around, you 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 better with everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm better with. You learned a few things. <laughs> I learned, yeah, I learned quite a few things, and I still don't have an agent. Like, I'm still getting advised by Brad. But the thing about it is, Brad has been kind of like that middle person. That mm-hmm. he's not an agent, but if I need help, I'll be like, "Hey, Brad, this is that," and then he will he'll take care of it. So. I'm super thankful for him. Well, I'm going to hit up Brad and be like, you need to make sure you give players the, the basic FIBA <laughs> yeah, uh, contract so uh, they're not living in an office space next Man, to the president. what? Uh, <laughs> next to the president. And we only met the president one time. That was the weird part. Like, this is like this elusive person that never see. Aside from basketball skills, um, do you think there was like something or some trait that helps athletes or yourself like be better prepared for a career overseas. Cause like, you know how some people say, y'all, everybody not built for this grind. We love to say that, but <laughs> do you think there's like some, some trait within us that we're, we're actually mm-hmm. built to last over here? Yeah, I do actually. And I think it is, it comes down to, I hope this is the right word. Adaptability. Is that the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Adaptability. That's the word. After I explain it, we'll see if this is the word. So <laughs> a person, I feel like a person who can make quick adjustments and maybe even not quick, but make adjustments with no matter what situation you're in or like if you're in a different culture, speaks different languages. Can you make that adjustment? Can you adapt to your environment? And I think that's a that, that's a big difference maker with being overseas. Because you never know what situation you'll find yourself in, you know, different team, different coaches every year. But can you adapt to the culture? You know, Carlin, Carlin, I always say his name wrong from Point Advising, Carlin Brown, he, he has oh, a yeah, shirt, yeah. adapt or die, you know. Yeah, and I like that shirt because it's, it's true. Um, you have to kind of adapt. And I know for me. You know, I left New Orleans. I went to England, did, you know, Rochester. So I kind of already had experience trying to adapt. Mm-hmm. You think like that's something you it helps you with your childhood and, you know, growing up the way you did being a um what's it called? Mili- military military brand. Yeah, yeah mili- being a military yeah. brand. Do you think that helped you to to kind of cultivate that trait? Uh, maybe I didn't move around too much once I got to age six. We kind of stayed in the same place, but maybe it did because there were people around me who were moving in and out. And so you have to make new friends still and you have to adjust um, (laughs) to that. We know you have your book, Winners Win. Yeah. Um, And of course, overseas, you know, you got those at a Euro League, Euro Cup, you got those playing in certain leagues, and some mm-hmm. might say, well, are you winning? You ain't you ain't playing Euro League, like, are you <laughs> right. winning? Right. Um, but you wrote the book, so what does winning mean to you? Jory, you're making me dig deep here. Right. Okay. <laughs> winning, <laughs> to me, winning is about, can I add value to, and can I impact the environment that I'm in. So like, say Mm -hmm. I'm a student, can I add value to and impact my environment there? If I'm a basketball player, can I do it there? Can I make the people around me better or am I just there? You know, so to me, winning is doing those two things. Like adding value to something says that because I'm here, it's better. But when you are um, 
impacting something, it says that because I'm here, it's different. It's two different things. But I feel like if you can do that, no matter where you are, then you're winning. Gotcha. And do you feel like you've done that? Like, I know you you went to England and you got your masters and you played there. You've been a, obviously been a part of the Euro Pro Basket and clearly I would say I, I haven't seen anyone do as much press for them as you. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely different since you came through the door. Oh, um, yeah, that's hilarious. Which, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you would think they paying me, right? Right. I'm about to say <laughs> it. I was going to say it like they better. They definitely so write funny. the check. Man, you know, Brad, make sure you got your own apartment, own car. Man, you hear that, Brad? Brad, do you hear that? Right. Let no. let <laughs> um, but you feel like you've done that. You feel like you've definitely done that. When, when, when at what yeah. point do you think you started to identify that's what I, that's the kind of winner I want to be? Like, when did you mm. identify that? That's good. I would say when I when I got to. London. So I left FAMU. I don't think I did a great job at FAMU. So I'll say when I left FAMU, I I went there, I played well, but I didn't put everything I had into the place. And so mm-hmm. once I realized, okay, Tanika, you have these goals, these dreams, this is what it's going to take. When I got to London, I started to implement um, the character that I wanted to have. And I started to see how the people around me reacted. And I started to see how, like, you can really leave a legacy no matter where you are. And people mm-hmm. realize, you know what I'm saying? Because this person was there, it's a better place. We're all feeling more positive. You know what I'm saying? Right. And they feel they feel that, that and they feel it when you leave, too. Yeah. So that that makes them appreciate you more. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's that's powerful. That's powerful for, for sure. And I think it's it's key when you start to share your voice, I think that happens when you're comfortable mm-hmm. with your voice and you're comfortable with who you are because then you can pour into people um, because yeah. you're secure in who you are. So I think that takes time as well. You you mentioned that you didn't give your all at FAMU and like what point did you realize you didn't give your all? Was it during or like after <clears throat> you were moved? Mm, I knew it there, but I was, <laughs> you mentioned the sunken place. It was a different kind of sunken place. So I got there and I had just came off of my junior college, uh, the two years there. And so I was like, all grind. I got to get to where I want to be. And so I got to FAMU and it's a totally different environment. And I don't think I was mentally ready to handle it. Um, Skill wise, I was ready. Academically, I was ready, but um, I didn't have the self-discipline yet. I didn't have the character to maintain it. So I would miss class. Like I wouldn't put in extra work um, off time of practice. I was kind of just really skating by. Uh, I was having a lot of fun. And so when I realized it, um, when my my assistant coach, he was really tough on me because he saw my potential. But he was asking me these questions like, Tanika, what do you want to do after you're done playing here? And I told him what my goals were. And he was just like, no, you're not doing what it takes. And so I had to have like a come to Jesus mirror look in the mirror moment like okay Tamika what do you want to do if this is what you want to do this is what it's going to take and so I kind of had to flip that switch and it didn't happen until after I graduated unfortunately but and so when I talk about legacy um I didn't leave a great legacy there and so that kind of eats me up sometimes I think about it but all I can do now is my best and um people look at it and say okay Tanika made a change I can make one too yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do. And you learn from it. 
You know, yeah. you, weren't, you weren't your best. You didn't give it your all. You realize that. And now, you know, you, you're going to make up for that. Regarding your book, what has been the, the feedback uh, from people? And is it kind of like they've identified how they want to win? Or is it kind of just like we love your idea of what winning is? Man, that's a good question, too. Um, I would say the first one. So it's my the feedback has kind of surprised me because I thought that I was writing it in this way to this audience, right? Like a younger audience. But it's been different age groups telling me what they pulled from the book. And it's been different things uh, de- depending on what they're dealing with or what, you know, their path looked like. Some people pull out the fact that, man, I'm, I'm dealing with fear and I didn't really want to acknowledge it. This one one person I was talking to and I think I posted about it. She was like, man, I have this like unforgiveness that I'm dealing with. and I need to heal from it. And reading your book made me realize that I'm like, man, this is kind of dope that people see right. it differently. Right. What are some things that you felt? Did you have imposter syndrome with the book? <laughs> like, did you feel like people coming back with you with some stuff like, ah, I'm not qualified to deal with that, you know? Um, what, that's what, so that's funny. That, Girl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. And it's funny because right before I put it out, so I wrote it and my mom is um, an editor. So she edited my book for me. And I okay. asked her like two days before we put it out. I'm like, do you like this just because you're my mom? Like, is this really a good book? <laughs> or are you just saying that because you're my mom? She said, you're asking me this two days before we put it out. She said, yeah. we well, put it out. And yes, it's good. And I'm going to need you to have some confidence. And you'll see once we put it out. Right. Once we put it out, you'll see. And she was right. She was absolutely right. But I did struggle with it. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. All the all the attention coming. And, you know, that's that's. That's tough, but you did it. And that's the big thing. You know, you didn't didn't stop shooting. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I didn't stop shooting. That's great, man. I mean, I I (laughs) appreciate you talking to me. And I hope everything's starting out okay with you in Portugal and and season. Everything going great for you over there? Yeah, it's been going good. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. And you know what's funny? I was going to mention all the Americans here came from Euro Pro Basket. Oh, okay. The well, men's team. And, yeah, I'm like, okay, we've been kind of talking about it. I'm like, wow, it's kind of cool. But I've, I've been enjoying it. It's been good so far. How you like in Greece? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I believe you it. Know, I'm right by the beach. Um, it's sunny. Yeah. So everything, everything's been good. You know, as far as the team, we, you know, everyone's kind of new. So okay. everybody, I think all the Americans come into Olympia Coast, we maybe kind of dealing with that imposter syndrome a little bit uh figure it out like hey we're the new ones we're you know and we're not none of us are WNBA so it's like but we still have to win the same way Uh, all the teams in the past have won so you know for me I am older so I've been here and done that um far as dealing with the different pressures and stuff um Mm -hmm. they're a little younger and stuff like that haven't been on like a big team so it's yeah. been a mix again of Jory kind of being a mix of <laughs> the old the old cat, um, but still, you know, trying to maintain myself as well because I'm still a professional right. I'm not a mentor. So uh, it's been <laughs> cool and um, everything is solid. The house, everything is good, man. Oh, so good. I can't complain at all. Yeah, I Definitely. saw your pictures on Instagram. I'm like, man, 
you backstroking on your off day and everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you saw me. Yes. Trying to, get a, trying to get a feature from Beautiful Ballers or something. Right, quick. <laughs> soon come, soon come. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, man, I appreciate you. Um, definitely have a great season. As always, hit me up. Hit me up anytime. For um, sure. Hold on. Yeah, I'm about to say something. We all we all go through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. You're right about that. A learning process. Exactly. You and I, we both in our own right are trying to do things to give back. We're trying to inspire the next generation of players or women in general. Um, I know for me, there are time. there's times where I'm like, you know, I'm investing my time. I'm investing money into building something that's for athletes that's for our collective mm-hmm. yeah and do you yeah. feel like, like sometimes it's like man i'm not getting getting back what i'm investing into the community into the collective yeah that's an interesting interesting situation i feel like it's um it's a tough thing right now because there are athletes like us rising up making creating platforms for other athletes but it's i feel like it's just the beginning you know what i'm saying and so I don't always see that it's working, but I know that it is working. And so I think I have that optimism. What I'm putting in is going to come back, but I don't always see it. Is that, did I answer it um, right? Yeah. What you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, it's something you hope, like, in the, it's going to start to to kind of, the wheels are going to start turning and then boom, Absolutely. when it hits, it hits. You're going to be right yeah. there. On time instead of trying exactly. to jump into the, the party late. You were about to um, elaborate a little bit I more. I was. I was gonna say. Now this is like it's not off topic, but I, when I was, I just thought of someone who really, really helped me when I first got overseas. Um, and you know her, Abiola um, yeah. from Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of she was really one of the first people that <laughs> was like a mentor to me. She she was on her way out. It's her last time playing. And I was on my way in and I just thought of that exchange like she poured into me. And then later on, it is like now I'm pouring into other people. You know what I'm saying? And so I right. kind of made that click in my that connection in my head. Like, wow, it does pay yeah. off. You may not see it, but it will pay off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Abby is another one that's creating her platform. Probably more so behind the scenes. She's an older cat, mm-hmm. so she's not really on social. She's starting to pick <laughs> it up. Yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. she's been taking notes from me, so she's like, I gotta catch up. <laughs> so she's been more active posting her stuff for Global, but yeah, yeah. Um, behind the scenes, which she hasn't posted or nothing, she's helped numerous players, the top WNBA players with their resumes and getting jobs now. So definitely shout out to her. She's definitely yeah. doing it. She's well connected, just not on social media. Um, yes. But yeah, I know she, she re- remembered you because Abby also went through the program once she finished. Um, playing, she mm-hmm. went to, to London as well, got her master's. Yeah, yeah. yeah shout awesome. out to the mentors. Yeah, that that you won't see it right away, but that individual is going to remember the impact. Yes, forever, um, forever, forever. So that's definitely cool. So we both got to stay encouraged. It's our yeah. time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Definitely. We're gonna start the segment off with the starting five. Yeah, what we did. I asked you five questions. We're gonna start the session off with that. Okay. And you give a quick answer. Okay. So you ready for this? Who's the first basketball player you had a crush on? Um, 
Alan Everson. That's a good one. Uh, what's a household chore that you hate to do the most? Cleaning the bathroom. Oh, I agree with that one. That was just so, especially if you got brothers. In, yeah, then in I do. In, in. Yeah, <laughs> I have one brother. All right. If you could be anywhere in the world right now with anywhere, anyone, where would you oh. and who would you be with? So would, where would you be with that person? I would be in Dubai with my older sister. She's my best friend. It would be a fun trip. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. All right. What's a bad habit that you have that you are embarrassed about? Um, <laughs> I bite my nails sometimes. I don't, I think it's a, it's embarrassing, especially now with this whole COVID thing. I'm like, oh man, I can't be out here. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with the COVID thing, you're just saying, cause you're biting your nails. Yeah. People probably yeah. like, oh, she the reason why it's a pandemic. So I yeah. don't know. <laughs> So I try not to. Lately, I've been trying not to. Right, right. Yeah, you can't be putting. You might catch COVID. You touch you know, something, whole bite time. your nails. That's just transferring. Yeah, right. Oh. Right. yeah. So I've been right. doing good though for the for the audience okay. listening. Okay. So last one. What's something that brings you joy these days? Ooh, uh, family. You know, family and friends, and just having the ability to contact them no matter where I'm at in the world. It's good. Awesome. So yeah, we good to go. Okay. We good to go. I appreciate you. I hope you have a good lunch. Well, what time? Thank is you. It? Past lunch. Kinda. It's past lunch. Well, yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah it's three. About to be three thirty soon. 